Hello, and welcome to the Living on a Mission podcast. We're excited to have you as we seek to learn, grow, and challenge each other to grow closer to the Lord. Be sure to follow and listen as we release a new episode every Thursday. We're on. <laughs> well, yeah. Well, hello and welcome to the Living on Mission podcast. I'm your host, Braden Ward. Uh, thanks for being on today. Today I have Jonathan on here. Um, and Jonathan and I, uh, we go way back uh, as far as uh, maybe a few weeks ago. Yeah, um, this is the third time I've like seen this man. So Yeah, we've only uh, hung out three times. But uh, I basically walked into Southern Goss Coffee Shop in Louisville, Kentucky, and Jonathan goes, hey, you're Braden Ward. And I was like, hey, I have no clue who you are, but nice to meet you and let's hang out. And uh, apparently he had seen uh, like a Facebook post that I had posted about hosting worship night um, back a few months ago at an old house that I used to rent. And uh, so, yeah, that's how we, we met and uh, we started hanging out. So, Jonathan, why don't you tell a little bit about yourself? Yeah, well, yeah, I feel like I'm also telling you who I am as well. <laughs> this is the third time we've got. We, we've had some deep conversations, so we, we know. Yes, we've, we've gotten, gone in deep. Um, yeah, so I'm a student at Boyce and Southern, just doing my MDiv and bachelor's. Um, and then I also work at Santa Gas Coffee, which, honestly, best job. And also Mission Field, 100%. It's been very, very cool to um, engage with the public about different things. So, yeah, yeah, thanks for having me. So did you grow up in the church? <laughs> Yeah, so my dad actually is a, well, was a Southern Baptist pastor. So from the youngest years I can remember is Bible stories before bed, my mom reading to me, um, doing little devotionals, kid devotionals. Most of the time I just kind of tuned it out. Or I'd listen. We would go through, like, weird, I'm having, like, memories pop up right now, like Adoniram Judson's. Um, biography when I was like a little kid, wow. <laughs> like a kid's version <laughs> of it. And I remember actually saying, yeah, when I have a kid with a woman, I will name him Adoniram out of respect. Wow. That's what you want your kid's name to be? Yeah. No, not anymore. Okay. I don't really want kids either. But I also, my name is Jonathan Edward Truman. So okay. Wow. Jonathan yeah. Edward. <laughs> <laughs> my parents You're from had, the first great awakening? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, definitely grew up in the church and- so you didn't actually become saved, though, until much later. Is that correct? Yeah. So I would have told you growing up that I became a Christian and was baptized at seven. Um, but over time, the fruit of that just did not match that of a true believer. Um, I had some behavioral modification at seven and tried to stop lying, stop you know, saying bad things, um, but I remember as time went on, it just became apparent that it was more of like a, a step forward rather than like an actual embrace of Christ. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, it was around 9 or 10. I guess I could just jump right into it. But around 9 or 10, exposed to pornography, and that kind of changed the course of my life. Um, whoa, whoa, don't go too deep. We just ha- lost half our listeners. No. I'm, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, whoa, dude, what's wrong with you? <laughs> you you watch pornography? Are you kidding yeah. me? Oh, no, I'm just kidding. Oh, dear. All right. Well, it was so nice to be with you. <laughs> yeah. um, well, that concludes our podcast. So thank you. No. You're listening to Living on Mission. That's what I was talking about. No, so yeah, that did change the landscape. Honestly, I probably was exposed to pornography before my parents ever mentioned what sexuality was to me. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and it wasn't an intentional like seeking out of pornography but it was like a virus on my computer or something um introduced to that world and it created a desire and an appetite that i still struggle with today um so then at that point i was still i i had no inklings of uh like sexual orientation mm-hmm. conversations or anything it was just i saw sex i thought it was interesting i liked you it. were curious yes and so around 11 or 12 though when puberty started to take hold I began to realize that there were attractions for the same sex that had arisen. And up until this point, I was kind of homophobic toward people. I thought the Bible says that it's an abomination. The Bible says that they won't inherit the kingdom of God. They, 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 all outside language. So therefore, they were gross. That was a gross lifestyle. The Mm -hmm. way that I heard Christians talk about it was that it was a weird, perverse thing. Mm -hmm. And so imagine my surprise whenever I start noticing guys in, uh, in pornography. So... So then there was a lot of maybe shame or hiding that. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I was using, I was already like looking at pornography, so it just created a natural avenue for me to explore in a way that my parents had no idea about and no one had to know about. At the same time, tons of shame, realized I still had a theistic framework as a kid. I was still like, oh, I'm living under like a wrathful God that doesn't allow certain people into heaven so your view of god was probably shaped a lot by that as well and myself so my view of myself honestly influenced my view of god in the sense Mm -hmm. of i didn't choose my attractions for men they just began to pop Mm -hmm. up and crop up so therefore my view of god became such that i viewed him as Mm -hmm. an angry kind of um Mm -hmm. uh, i don't know what the correct word is he to me he was an oppressor because he created these desires in me that he knew I couldn't. Can I ask you a question here? Yes. So those desires that you were having, do you feel that they were because of the um, aroma of like pornography from a, a young age where your sexu- sexuality wasn't really defined? You were confused, like things like that. You were curious. And that's what led you to kind of have those desires in the culture of today's world? Or was it more a tenta- like just God-given almost that, that God gave you the, a battle to fight in mm-hmm. that way? Yeah, I have a hard time saying that it's God-given just because I know that his design for me didn't necessarily include sin in the first place. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, I do think through uh, just natural inclinations that arise out of a sinful nature, God did intend for me to uh, pursue holiness through this kind of attraction. I don't think that it necessarily came about via pornography um, because I was not. That wasn't my goal. My goal was to watch, you know, like heterosexual pornography. And it, over time, it began to be apparent that I was just naturally attracted to men. felt unnatural. At the time, it felt like these were popping up out of somewhere that I didn't know where it came from. And I tried to suppress it. So that's something that okay. I will say that um, is not something that I saw a lot either. Like, my upbringing was very <laughs> sheltered. And... I kind of wonder if my parents had an idea that I would have a proclivity toward this. Mm. Um, and I was honestly shielded from mm. gay people. I didn't realize that that was a, a viable, quote-unquote, mm-hmm. way of life uh, until after I'd already dealt with it. So you felt like you su- suppressed that, but those desires were still there. Yes. Um, okay, continue on. Sorry for interrupting. So, yeah, um, I feel like tried to suppress it for a while, tried to... F- figure out on my own and also talking to a few friends at school um between 
this was really between elementary school and middle school, and that jump was hard because I went from public school and elementary school all the way up to Christian private school in sixth grade. And so, honestly, and then I graduated from that as well. And so, um, trying to figure all that out at the same time, hearing in my small Christian private school about God and the Bible and his design for sexuality and um, things of that nature, it was really hard. And honestly, over 11, 12, 13, 14, I bounced around a lot. I was identifying as bisexual, and then I realized that my attractions for men were outweighing my attractions for women, so then it was, I think I'm just queer. And then it became, I'm fully gay, I don't really, I'm not interested in women, my attractions for men are much stronger, and my attractions for women are really just like intimate friendships that I miscategorized because I didn't have mm. a category for them in the first place. Mm. Um, and so then around 14, my parents found out that I was not identifying as your typical straight boy, um, and that was really difficult. They responded well. Uh, my parents and I have a good relationship now. Um, they responded in love and reaffirmed their love, but it still felt like a rejection of who I was mm -hmm. since my attractions were intrinsic to what I knew. So therefore it became, they were rejecting an entire part of who I was. Mm. Can I stop you right there? Yeah. So then you, you have this, a lot of these, I guess, identity questions where you're just like, and I think what's beautiful is um, this is not, I mean, identity is not just, we talk a lot about identity right now as regards in regards to homosexuality, mm -hmm. but it's not just, th mm -hmm. I mean, that at all. Um, identity is such a, a struggle for so many of us in different aspects, right? Mm -hmm. um, and I think, you know, what you were saying, you were like, I identify as, I identify as, I identify, like you were changing your identity, trying to figure out who and how you identify, right? Mm -hmm. And you wanted to be accepted for how you identified mm -hmm. yourself. And I, if, if I may, like, no. <laughs> if I may, one, one of the things that I just felt that the Lord's laid on my heart is just like, when I think about, because I've had so many experiences in my life too where I've just questioned who I was. Mm -hmm. Not necessarily the same struggles, but different struggles of who am I, who am I supposed to be, all these questions. And when I take it back and I look at scripture, mm -hmm. who defines us, who we are, and it says, like, you know, we were knitted in our mother's womb. I'm going to read Psalms 139. For you created in my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body, and all the days ordained for me were written in your book. I think it's so beautiful, the personhood of God who is so personal and loving and caring in the detail mm -hmm. and in, and like intricacy that he made us with mm -hmm. you know in Genesis 1 29 it says he made us male or female in his mother's womb. like the beauty of that because if we have that framework then we can live and know who we are and we don't have to question that you know it's so beautiful whether heterosexual or homosexual we don't have to identify as anything but created in the image of God so. Well, it's very easy, too, to view yourself through your circumstances. Yeah. Whatever it is, what, if it's sexual temptation, if it's, you know, greed or pride or whatever. Um, and, like, even hearing my pastors talk about their struggles with the greed and how that can shape their identity, it's, it's very helpful because mm -hmm. the culture has become so centered on identity as being a thing that you, um, you work to 
to understand and not just understand but cultivate for yourself yeah whereas the bible says this is your identity i've created you i've imbued you with passion and with beauty and with purpose and significance that comes from me mm-hmm. and so i feel like in some ways the christian life is one of rest just because you can cease from the striving of trying to figure out who you are mm-hmm. apart from god and instead god doesn't erase your individuality instead he he works your individuality into his purposes and plans so that mm. you have fuller purpose mm. i love that i think that that's so beautiful because when i did not have that framework or had that foundation of the bible defining who i am mm-hmm. then i question all the time is my identity in my past mistakes yeah. and in in what i've done before yeah. is my identity rooted in uh you know like a sin issue or you know just so much workspace where i can look at scripture and say no like this is who god says i am yeah. and even as we think about i can't imagine myself just like struggling so much to um just not having a foundation of like who i am who am i i need to change who i am so much so because i know now that i'm made in the image of god with a purpose i'm made a male mm-hmm. and that is who i am mm-hmm. and i will live that out even though there may be times where i don't feel as masculine or like toxic masculinity can be really hard you know because it's like oh, I don't feel like I'm that kind of man or, or that kind of, and that's how the world or America portrays a man. But I can live knowing that God made me the way I am with a purpose and I can live out. If I did not see people made in the image of God, then for example, women and the womb, the womb would just be a factory of production mm-hmm. because it would basically just be that, that they're not created for in some ways for that reason not solely i'm not saying mother i'm not saying women are just made to make kids but i'm saying god has created women to be able to do that and he has designed them in that way and like that is a beautiful thing we should rejoice in that not see it as a hindrance 100 mm-hmm. percent. i think it's hard to not divorce people from um well i mean even like navigating in the culture now of like seeing people as who they themselves identify themselves as like to be like mm-hmm. instead of looking to see in creation the intent and the glorious intent like you said it's not just one purpose of like you can produce kids because that's not necessarily intrinsic to um i don't know how to say what i'm trying to say yeah i, I, I understand out. what you're saying no no i'm not gonna cut this out <laughs> what you're saying is so good it's you're not intrinsically made just for that purpose, and yeah. God has designed you with different gifts and abilities, right? Yeah. Um, I think, you know, what you were saying, I, I know I kind of took the show here, and I didn't mean to, but you were talking about identity. You were I talking about you your, on your, your own your show. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, you are talking about, you know, your, your life and how you were struggling. You were identifying as bisexual, then queer, then bully, gay. Mm-hmm. Maybe we can continue there. Yeah, no, 100%. Um, yeah, so ages 14 to 18 were just marked by depression and mm-hmm. uh, feeling this disconnect between who I knew myself to be versus who people expected me to be versus what I knew was right in the Bible but unable to live out on my own. Um, for me, it felt like my sexuality is the biggest hindrance to receiving grace mm-hmm. um, because for me, it's a thing that I didn't choose. God was sovereign, so I was told. So therefore, he was at fault for what I experienced. Um, and that was just really hard to deal with. And so after my parents found out, um, you know, I, there were some repercussions and I, um, spent a lot of time just in anger and distancing myself from faith. I went through so many different, um, 
just people, like, of who I was. Like, I was more conservative-leaning when I was younger, and then as I became older, I started finding more identity through politics and being a leftist and then joined the Communist Party, and then <laughs> there's a lot, a lot we could talk about there. Uh, and it pissed me off that people thought that I was just trying to be something my parents didn't want. Because to me, being what my parents wanted would have been so fantastic. But I didn't see things that way. I didn't see myself as who they saw. I saw myself through a lens that matched my own experience. And so at the same time with politics, I saw things in a more left-leaning fashion. A lot mm. of the Christians around me did not. So therefore, I was like, okay, that's who I am. Mm. Uh, there's just a lot of disconnect between mm. my expectations, others' expectations, God's expectations. And so honestly, that whole period of time was just marked by... Um, yeah, confusion. And a lot of it, too, was me not willing to settle for wrong interpretations of the Bible or whatever. I had people talk to me about scripture and say, well, you know, like you can be a Christian, just ignore the parts about homosexuality or um, just, you know, it didn't actually mean that. It means pedophilia, which for the record, no. Yes, the Bible condemns um, pedophilia and pederasty and all the things, pederasty. But at the same time, it's not just about the age or the consent. It's the creational intent mm -hmm. of, as you said earlier, God making male and female and choosing to bring, abra bring about his descendants through mm. that model, mm. that, good and, that good and right design. It's not just about, can I sleep with this person? And at the, major at the baseline, it's actually more of a, do I have to feel shame? Do I feel shame having sex with this person that's not necessarily the framework we should be working out of it's did god intend for me to have sex in this way did god intend in his good and right design for me to experience this so mm -hmm. those were the questions i had i didn't settle for a more progressive view of scripture um because honestly if you're going to accept scripture accept everything it says you got to mm -hmm. and so um that's why i wasn't a christian and i firmly knew i wasn't a christian didn't want to be until. <laughs> Until. But and, God. Uh, but God. God. Being rich to start speaking in tongues. <laughs> yeah. Um, Whoa, we don't do that in here. I, you oh, know I'm sorry. like more Baptist than you, so, you know. <laughs> Just kidding. Actually, yeah, it was so good talking to you all day. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's kind of hard to even pinpoint all of the things that led up to conversion because there was so much and the Lord is so sovereign that everything was used. Um, mm -hmm. But in 2020 and, like, September around my, around my birthday, I was reading some uh, literature about sexuality and reading, um, I think it was like Jackie Hill Perry's Gay Girl, Good God and Rosario Butterfield's Secret yeah. Thoughts. Um, I had heard people talk about them. I've been having ongoing conversations for four years with people in my school about sexuality. My uh, Bible teacher, so kind, um, he's this man who is kind of imposing as like a 6'2 large man with a doctorate from Southern Seminary so he had every right to be imposing mm. um, and he was just so kind I would bring him a word in the Hebrew text for Leviticus 18 or Leviticus 20 and be like this is not actually male on male it's you know it's a man with a mm. boy and so you were would, testing yeah you were, you were seeking the truth yeah at this point and I you just, weren't like opposed to it you were just like okay what I'm trying to understand well I would say that I was opposed to it because mm. I was denying everything that I found to be true. Okay. I was mm -hmm. trying in some ways 
I, I didn't accept the progressive view of the gospel, but I still fought to uh, impress that onto the text. Like, mm-hmm. if I could prove that a progressive understanding of the gospel was true, then I would go do it. Mm-hmm. If not, then I didn't want anything to do with it. Mm-hmm. And so, like, I would show the Hebrew text, and I'd be like, this is pedophilia, it's not homosexuality. And he would gently, with grace, show me in, like, a Hebrew commentary lexicon whatever just where other words had shown up to prove that what i was trying to assert was wrong um and it was really disappointing but at the same time it was gentle guiding to truth and it wasn't a kind of allowing me to go to approach the bible with my own presuppositions and impress Mm -hmm. them onto the text you have you know or like believe what you want to believe about it and just be a christian yeah because that's not yeah because i also knew that christianity was defined by the bible and Mm -hmm. so you know, and I knew it was a resurrection religion as well. Like, if Jesus didn't raise from the dead, then we're the most to be pitied, Paul says. So why would I believe in something just for the feel-good effect when I could go and have sex with men and not feel any kind of shame? Mm. So it's a part and parcel. Like, I had to accept all of it. So I was reading some of that stuff, um, trying to figure it all out. <clears throat> and then in October, on the 4th uh, of October in 2020, I had a conversation with my dad. He just made some inflammatory remarks about LGBTQ. It was more out of ignorance than anything else. Like, he's very well studied. He I will say a lot of conservative Christians and just, this is new, and we're very naive, you yeah. know? Well, it's easy for LGBTQ to paint Christians with a broad, malicious brush. Because you see people, Westboro, no one knows what the outliers, but at the same time, you see Christians represent their faith with sometimes malicious intent. Mm-hmm. And they're showing that they have more of a commitment to being right than being biblical. And so it's, it's a thing of um, nuance and realizing that some people have really good intentions and they genuinely want you to experience the goodness of God, but they don't necessarily know how to get that to you in a way that is understandable or comfortable. And the gospel is mm-hmm. offensive at the same time. People just don't realize that they can let the gospel be offensive and not also be offensive. Mm-hmm. Um, so talking to my dad about kind of this stuff, I... You know, I just corrected his language of talking about LGBTQ and this kind of like, you know, large scale like evil thing and tried to bring it down to the more nuanced position of, no, people are trying to love who they want to love. And I specifically believe the Lord gave me knowledge in that way because mm. my dad was looking at the outer grand scheme, like the enemy behind God's, you know, trying to thwart God's plan. Mm-hmm versus looking at each person and seeing they had altruistic like desires to express love and express it well Mm. and so there's a disconnect where lgbtq are looking at christians as trying to restrict their good desires for love Mm. christians are looking at lgbtq as those who are trying to thwart their own creator Mm. and so there's that stands in the way of actual conversation because you have an ideological (laughs) difference where it's you have to cross that gap, yeah. Um, which you know, Jesus does. I but think this is so good, Jonathan, because I guarantee you we have listeners from both sides listening, and you know, even our, like just I've learned so much from you uh, too, and it's just been so beautiful to like understand and to see um, so much. So yeah, thank you so much. You can c- continue on if you would like. Well, I think the reason why we go through things is because God is literally preparing us to go out and help other people. Yeah, like I have a firm belief that I do. if you yeah. have a trial. You're probably one of the reasons why you're given that trial is to help others through that as well, mm-hmm. because you can be a means of grace in your community, and you won't know until you try. 
Damn. So, yeah. Um, yeah. So after that conversation, two days later, um, me and my also agnostic brother were walking on U of L's campus, uh, just gonna get some Chick Fil A, and uh, these two guys approached us, and they said they had like a survey or questionnaire on religiosity. Mm-hmm. I wanted to know where we stood on things. Uh, you probably bit. ate that up, right? You're uh, like, <laughs> well, so actually, I was like, nah, fam, I'm good. I just want Jesus chicken. My brother, however, who was even more vehemently agnostic and like combative, was like, sure, we'll talk about it. Mm-hmm. So weird. Um, is we just ended up uh, talking about Christianity and soon realized that they were evangelical. They asked what my biggest problem with Christianity was, and I told them I'm gay. The end. No, I'm just kidding. Um, that's the point. They looked at me as if they were more to me than just a label mm. or an identifi- identifying adjective. Mm. It was uh, like that. They saw that they're like, they didn't see you as gay. They were just like, I don't, they didn't bat an eye. Yeah. Well, and they didn't force me into this camp of, oh, that's why you're not a Christian. Yeah. To them, it was like, okay, why is that your biggest problem with Christianity? Because, you know, they, yeah, they saw me as more than just a label that had been used against me in the past. Mm-hmm. And so that honestly intrigued me the most. Uh, we talked about things. We rehearsed truths that I had rejected but heard growing up. And so it wasn't necessarily anything new, which is something that I think a lot of Christians need to be encouraged about. You don't have to have this gift of speaking new revelation over people. Oftentimes it's repeating truths that the Lord then prophetically uses over time to soften their hearts and use uh, their hearts as fallow ground. Mm -hmm. So it's not necessarily this like, oh yeah, I have a new word from the Lord. It's like, no, it's a, I just just broke your material. It's fine. Everything's fine. It's continued just truths found in scripture. Yeah. hundred (laughs) percent. So we, how many times have I had to be reminded of the scripture and yet continue to fall into sin before full surrender and the Lord continue to save me? That's true. Mold me preach the gospel to ourselves every day. Yeah. yeah. Um, my pastor, actually, CJ, he talks about how our biggest problem is gospel amnesia hmm. and how that we, even as Christians, we still have this problem where we wake up and we forget the gospel. And so mm-hmm. we're surprised that we live in a way that's not honoring to the Lord whenever we're not considering what he wants for us. It's mm-hmm. just like, seems simple. It's yeah. <laughs> super hard to live out. Yeah. <laughs> Especially when you want how, other things. How quickly we forget, right? Yeah. <laughs> Well, I read Old Foolish Galatians, and I'm like, I read Old Foolish Jonathan. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. That's so apt to, yeah, um, how quickly you're deserting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, honestly, that interaction just proved to be, it, it felt like a providential breaking into my story, and I didn't have words for that. All I knew was that, I think I remember texting my sister later and saying, it feels providential. I didn't believe in providence. So the Lord obviously was working on me and showing me that there's something here that you were supposed to mm. glean. There's something that you're supposed to uh, study more or study mm. more about sexuality, whatever. And so that evening, I was DMing my one of my best friends and my sister on Instagram. D- DMing, by the way, for uh, <clears throat> maybe some people that are older, is messaging on Instagram. I thought you said Direct something else. Direct messaging. <laughs> you said something else, and I was like, what is... Sorry, sorry, keep going. Can you take on? Anywho. <laughs> no, that was earlier. My story. Um, yeah, so we were just talking about the things that had happened over the past two days and the past month and how my, my questions had gotten bigger, and I felt like I was beginning to kind of 
understand the biblical concepts, but I still didn't like it. Still didn't want to mm. submit myself to it. Just didn't make sense. And it was really only recounting that conversation with my dad to my sister that I finally processed it verbally. I was talking about how uh, instead of looking at the grand scheme, trying to like individually talk to people and hear them out, and instead of using the words of Jesus as a battering ram, instead using it as an invitation. And so I was saying all this as a non-believer, which is so interesting, but just using the words of Jesus to show that Jesus comes alongside, he died for us, and he comes alongside of us in our shortcomings and our temptations and our trials, and that as we walk through them, he's with us. And it was as I said that out loud, <laughs> or on, with my thumbs, <laughs> it really just, there's no other word to use than Pauline language. Like, it just, scales were removed from my eyes where I saw the gospel is mm. for me. Jesus died with my name and mind. And mm. as he died, he knew that he would defeat death so that he could walk alongside me so that I could also defeat the old man within me. Like, it was, and I didn't have all this <laughs> language for it because it was just like a, you know, an instantaneous, like, boom, you understand now. You, you have access to the grace. Earlier I said that it felt like my temptations, specifically for homosexuality, were the thing that precluded me from experiencing grace. Instead, they became the thing that made it possible mm. for me to come to Jesus because he didn't come for those who think we're better. He didn't come for the spiritually whole. He came for those who were sick, who mm. felt their need and embraced their need and fell at the feet of Jesus. And mm. so it was in that moment that I realized Christ's mangled body on the cross is my biggest sign of hope. Yeah. And so in that moment, it just became a full surrender of, okay, it's not just that you, you know, it's not this thing of you call me to this laborious uh, way of life that, you know, quenches my fun. It's like, no, you died in my place to redeem me from the thing that held me hostage. Mm. So I get to live my life in free obedience because you did the thing that I couldn't do. And I just remember going to the bathroom and sobbing <laughs> like <laughs> an hour straight of just like, holy yeah. crap. And I opened my Bible for the first time intentionally, besides like trying to prove it wrong. And I read Romans 8, 1 and just reading that there's therefore now no condemnation, condemnation. for yeah. those in Christ Jesus. I am now become one with Christ. And in that, how could I experience condemnation if he had taken all of that, if he had drunk every last drop of condemnation mm. reserved for me. So in that moment, I was like, okay, life is going to be different. There's no way that I can walk away from this changed. And I went to bed <laughs> somehow. The next day I told my parents, and they obviously cried and <laughs> rejoiced. Um, but my mission statement was given to me, I think, the second day of being a believer. I just mm. felt this strong desire to stand in between LGBTQ and Christians, to show LGBTQ that the gospel is for them. It's not uh, this thing that is dangled out in front of them and they have to accept or they're going to hell and they can't. It's the thing of, no, coming to Jesus means humbling yourself, submitting yourself. Mm. But ultimately, it's not a bad thing. It's going back to who you were made to be. And then for Christians, it's, no, you're not just talking to an ideology. Stop viewing people as just an ideology. 
these people are people who are made in the image of God, who were designed for communion with God. And instead, they've traded the truth for a lie. And so you have to meet them where they are, but treat them as people. And so in that together, I like, I don't know, I just want to be a little mediator. I mean, there's um, only one mediator <laughs> between us and God, but if I can represent Christ in that way to both yeah. sides. Then. I, I, Jonathan, I want to say you are, rep- I mean, honestly, I, I'm speechless because of the, the Lord in your life and the way that he has <laughs> transformed your life. And it's just um, how he saved you. And, you know, I remember meeting and talking and I got so excited. I was like, I, I, I was just so excited to meet you because I was excited at the fact of your, like God has given you that to be able to share now with so many on your podcast. I'm just kidding. <laughs> and here's the thing is I, I, we did have a conversation. And I said, Jonathan, I would love to have you on, but I said, I, I care more about you yeah. and, and your life versus you just sharing because your identity is not rooted in that struggle. Temptation. You're, you're, that is dead. You know, that is dead. And that's not who you are or what you're, you know, you show it. And I said, I want you to know that. And so if you don't want to be on this podcast or don't want to talk about it, like you don't have to, but man is the Lord using you. Yeah. Like this is needed. And I am so excited for people to, to listen and to share and to, um, you know, I hope that this draws, um, people near to Christ, you know, both on both sides and both parties and, um, to humble ourselves and to, to realize our identity in Christ. Um, I also want to want to share, you know, like I was thinking about Galatians. Uh, I think it's sorry, Galatians two twenty, and it was, you know, you're talking about. I've been crucified with Christ. I know it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me, and I can see that in you, Jonathan. Mm. And it goes on to say, and the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave Himself for me. I do not nullify the grace of God. Mm. For if righteousness were through the law, then Christ died for no purpose. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I just, you know, um, I'm just overwhelmed by the goodness of God in our lives. Because, you know, I think about myself and, and yourself as well. We're once far off. Mm-hmm. And now we're no longer, and we are, we are a new creation. And even in, in, in Galatians it says, it's Christ who lives in us now. Yeah. <laughs> so Yeah, I mean, even... Last night I read Romans 5, um, just feeling discouraged after physical sin and, you know, giving in to what I feel like is most true about me, and that is not true. It's what the Bible says about me. It's what God says about me. But uh, in Romans 5 it says, um, talking about the gift of uh, life and life through Christ, but the gift is not like the trespass, for if by one man's trespass the many died— how much more have the grace of God and the gift which comes through the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, overflow to the many? And the gift is not like the one man's sin, because from one sin came the judgment, resulting in condemnation. But from many trespasses came the gift, resulting in justification. This verse, since by the one man's trespass, death reigned through that one man, meaning I was enslaved to death. Mm-hmm. I did not see how life in Christ would produce life because for me i felt enslaved to this identity and this uh mm. i didn't have the word temptation for it because to me it was just natural yeah which sin is natural um mm. but it keeps going it says how much more will those who receive the overflow of grace and the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man jesus christ do we think about that do we think about the fact that the bible uses reigning language of like we're not just surviving we're not just living 
It's we have every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, and we are reigning with Christ now. Like we are, mm-hmm. we are representatives. We are viceroys of of God on earth. And so, as we're living our lives under submission to Christ, it's not just a survival. We are actually, in some ways, like living as exiles in a you know world given to the enemy. So in that way, we're advancing the kingdom back on territory that was his in the first place. Mm. Like, yes. how do we not see ourselves as living on mission? <laughs> how do we not see ourselves as walking down the street and talking to people? You, if you're a Christian, you are filled with the Holy mm. Spirit, mm-hmm. the third person of the Godhead. So as you speak to people, speak in love because you're representing the one who yeah. has bought you back. Out of the overflow of our heart, that yeah. we are redeemed, we know who we are, yeah. and then it just spurs us on to share. Living like in the you, overflow. Like now you are sharing the story that God has given you yeah. because of your love and out, outflow of him. Like you're not ashamed because you know who you are now. In America, I feel like we're very, and you can speak to this better than I can because you've been abroad, but America, we're so comfortable Yes. in the sense of even identity. We're so comfortable with remaining in our little box and as long as we stay in that, people stay in theirs, we're fine. But in the sense of um, recognizing that once for death reigned, now we live in Christ, and Christ lives in us, we owe everything to Christ. Mm-hmm. And that should produce in us a humility of not lording, you know, oh, well, I believe in the Bible. I have the gift of eternal life, and what do you have? No, it's all by grace through no merit or human exertion of your own, Paul says in Romans 9. So in that way, how can we not live our lives in sharing that with others Mm -hmm. and not even just sharing the news with others, but living our lives in a way that is sacrificial for others? I'm convicted of that. I say, how can we not? Because I don't live that way half the time. Mm -hmm. Like I've just been convicted in the past little bit of how I'll be scared to share about Jesus to someone who doesn't know him because I'm afraid of what they might think of me. Is Jesus truly the lover of my soul then? Yeah. Like it says in Psalms, like your steadfast love is better than life. And so Psalm 63. Yeah. Am I, I think it's the first three as well. Like, am I loving life more than the steadfast love that I've experienced from him? And I I thought about it recently. Uh, I was talking with a friend, Jacob, and I said, I was like, you know, we often think about the love of our life. We want to find the love of our life. Jesus is a lover of our soul because his steadfast love is better than life. Mm-hmm. I, I, we can stop there. No. <laughs> I mean, that's a mic drop right there. So I, I, it's hard for me to add anything because that is so true. And I think about in my own life how much I value acceptance yeah. and my, like, my achievements and acceptance is so important to me, right? Three on the Instagram. Yeah. yeah. How can, if we lived our lives thinking about how God, through the sacrifice of Jesus, accepts us now. Yeah. And he validates our experiences. Like, if you want to go deep into it, like, he understands us. He he walked this life so that he could say, I know what it's like. I get you. It's rough out here in these streets, these Palestinian streets. But you can do it. Like, I'm empowering you with empowering and sustaining grace. To live the life that yeah. I've called you to. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. I, I seek after 
you know, love in, in, in relationships or, or here on earth or satisfaction or temporary pleasures mm-hmm. so often continually. And I'm, I'm, I continually set my eyes on the world at times. Mm-hmm. And then I'm reminded like, no, like the Lord brought me out of that and mm-hmm. his grace and his mercy, but also loves me so much that it satisfies. Mm-hmm. It satisfies me enough. I don't need anything else. Mm-hmm. You mentioned Psalm 63, and I'd love to just read it here uh, because honestly, Psalm 63 is something that when I was in the depths uh, at my worst, I was reading this, and this this was something that spoke to me, and um, just just on the goodness of God, but, um, oh God, you are my God, earnestly I seek you, my soul thirsts for you, my flesh faints for you, as in a dry and weary land where there is no water, so I have looked upon you in the sanctuary, beholding your power and glory, because your steadfast love is better than life. My lips will praise you, so I will bless you as long as I live. In your name I will lift my hands. My soul will be satisfied with fat and rich food, and my mouth mouth will praise you with joyful lips. When I remember you upon my bed, I meditate you on the watches of the night, for you have been my help. And in the shadow of your wings I will sing for joy. My soul clings to you. Your right hand upholds me. I just think that is so beautiful. And what if we, like, what if we were to say, like, you know, so, like, as in a dry and weary land, there is no water. Yet I have looked upon you in the sanctuary, beholding your power and glory. Mm-hmm. Let us be reminded of His goodness, of His glory. Well, and David literally says, like, in my CSB version, superior. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. I'm ESB, but my lips will glorify you because your steadfast love is better than life. Mm. Like, yeah. it's a direct cause of the reality that our experience of his love is better than any worldly expression of love, mm-hmm. which is, it just pales in comparison. So we, our lips, meaning we will volitionally speak, we will act, we will do all the things and glorify God, which is our chief end anyway. Mm-hmm. We'll, we will walk in step with the spirit to achieve our chief end, which is to glorify God because his steadfast love is better than life. It is. Isn't that it fantastic? is. May we rest in his, because you mentioned a lot of our Christian life. We're actually resting in him, but then we have a mission, right? Let us rest and be on mission with the reminder of the glory of God and reminder of his son and what he did on the cross. I would love to pray for you real quick. I'm just so encouraged by this and your willingness to share. And I just see so much life and beauty, not because of your own doing, but because of the Lord. Um, and I want to pray for you, even as you said your mission statement, you know, mm-hmm. and as you go out and yeah, we are living on mission day to day. I want to pray for you. Um, and I hope that this is also encouraging for any listeners as it, as it was for me. So no, we just got everything out of it. Y'all don't have to, but <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. <laughs> if anything, I'm encouraged. So I, I it doesn't matter. It just so became a conversation. It, it, just, a- <laughs> it really just became a conversation between you and I, and you just got to hear it. You know, uh, you know when I, when I can speak to a brother in Christ, and at the end, I'm just so excited and amped up because I'm so reminded of the goodness of God. Mm. It's just, it brings so much life. And so mm. thank you for bringing so much life to my life. Well, I mean, living in community, it's really, I think one of the biggest and most potent lies of the enemy is that we're alone and that we yeah. walk through life alone and we're the only one who believes this and all the things. And truly, if his steadfast love is better than life, then he's sustaining you. Mm-hmm. And even when you feel alone, you still have the creator of the universe 
walking with you and empowering you to take each step. So, you do. Amen. So, let's pray. Dear Lord, I thank you so much for Jonathan. I thank you for, Lord, your salvation. I thank you for the grace that you've had on, on Jonathan and I. Lord, I thank you for his story, Lord, his testimony, his testimony, Lord, which is honestly just a testimony to your grace and your glory, Lord. Uh, Lord, I pray, um, Lord, I thank you, Lord, that you have taken the old and you've made it new, Lord, that we are no longer under condemnation, Lord. I pray for Jonathan as he goes out amongst this world, Lord, and living day to day at Center Goss Coffee, Lord, walking this life, Lord, and, and pursuing ministry as well, Lord, that you would guide his path. You would remind him of your steadfast love is better than life, Lord. I thank you for him. I thank you for the, the, the grace that you've given him, Lord. I thank you for his joy and, Lord, his passion, um, Lord. Um, and I pray for all, all our listeners, Lord, if they, Lord, are struggling with their identity, if they're struggling with who they are, Lord, they look to Scripture to see that they were made with the design and purpose and detail, that we have a personal God who loves and cares Lord, um, I pray for those listeners as well that maybe are wrestling with uh, just some judgment that they've had. Maybe they've lived in a Christian home and they've never really been exposed to homosexuality and, and they, they're, they're really scared of it. Lord, I pray for them, Lord, that they would be able to have conversations. They would, they would be able to live on mission. They would be able to walk in these, these with people, Lord, um, and remind them of their identity. Lord, I also pray uh, just for, for those that maybe are, are in deep confusion, Lord, that they would look to you at, uh, for rest. Pray this all in your name. Amen. Amen. Thank you guys for joining the Living on Mission podcast. I'm Brayden, and this is Jonathan. Uh, we'll see you next time.